0: You uh, this morning uh, to White Oak Baptist Church, and um, as we uh, begin this uh, most wonderful time of the year, Christmas time, uh, we have uh, intentionally titled our, our sermon series that we're going to be going through leading up to Christmas, um, "Overcoming the Odds," and. As we always do with every sermon series that we plan and every idea that we have, uh, we, we do these series often for a reason, and many times they're born out of the conversations that we have with, with you guys. And so um, often what we have found, and even in some conversations that I've had with, with many of you lately, just as your pastor and as someone who's checking in on you and wanting to know how you're doing, is I uh, I, I talk to people and I'm asking like, so You're gonna have a good Christmas this year? Is it gonna go well? Is it gonna be refreshing? Is it gonna be life giving? Is it gonna be good for you? And the answer is oftentimes, you know, kind of the same. And maybe this would be your answer right now if I asked you that question. I said, man, are you gonna have a great Christmas? And you're like, well, I hope so. You know? It's like, we're not quite sure it's gonna be good, and we're not quite sure we're gonna enjoy it, but we're hoping that we will. And as I dig into that a little bit, I kind of ask questions and I even reflect in my own life and and why I give that same response. And I think what I often find, and I think James and I talk about this a lot as pastors over the church, is that I think we want to enjoy the Lord and we want to enjoy this season, but there's just things we're going through in life. And it's almost as if there's like these obstacles that are in our way of really experiencing all that the Lord has for us during the season. And so because of that, we don't just want to preach about a Christmas or give a Christmas sermon series. We want to talk about overcoming the odds that will ultimately enable us to make this an amazing time of of growing in the Lord and experiencing what he has for us during this season. As your pastor, I want you to claim the promise that God gives you, that he will be with you, and that he will help this to be a great Christmas season for you. And so because of that, I want to kick off um, this sermon series by preaching to you a sermon today entitled, God Won't Leave You Hanging. Turn to your neighbor and say, God won't leave you hanging. God will not leave you hanging. If you're like me, you need that promise because you're like, I don't know if he's going to show up, you know. I've been waiting at this bus stop called Life for about an hour, and I'm not sure if he's ever going to arrive, right? That's how it feels, right? I went to the DMV this week. Pray for me, okay? I'm still recovering. I went on Tuesday, in the middle of the day on Tuesday. I worked an hour late the day before to get stuff done. I came in an hour early the morning of so I could have an extra long lunch window to go to the DMV. And I go to the DMV and the line is outside. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. They make you wait outside. Now, I guess so once you get in there, you kind of just, there's not, they don't want all the people waiting inside, right? They just make you wait outside. Then you get inside, and you go in there. So I waited outside, which, okay, it's Houston. So it's, it's like the sun is beating down in December, right? It's not like a nice crisp day. It's like, the, like I'm sweating in December in Houston. The sun is beating down. It's not a very cold day. And I'm waiting outside. I wait outside the DMV for an hour so i can change the address on my driver's license because for some reason that's mandated by federal law right and so i wait outside for an hour to only finally get through the line inside to where the real waiting begins okay and there's like the the chairs that are lined up you know the chairs that are lined up and the chairs it's like it never ends and all of them are full right like there's tons of people And I finally get my ticket, and I'm like, okay, I'm number, I think I was number 99. No, no, I was number 141, and they were on number 90, okay? So I'm like, okay, so I'm only 51 spaces away, only to find out only 51 spaces away in my category of what I'm looking for, right? So I'm 51 away, but there's four or five different categories of which you can be waiting for. So I was actually a little over, true story, 200 people away from getting served in the DMV. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and when they finally helped me, it took like 10 seconds. As they asked my address, okay, yeah, and I left, right? That's all it was, right? But I say that because I think for, for many of us in life, that's how it often feels with the Lord. You've been fighting that same thing for a long time, and it's, it's not getting much better. And you're struggling, and you're, you're trying to overcome it, and you're trying to find the peace in your heart, and it just seems so elusive, And I say that this morning because I think especially when dealing with those things in life and in trying to find the progress that we want, it can be especially difficult during Christmas. And the reason why I think seasonal depression is the thing, and I've explained this before, it's because um, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And they've got Christmas cookies, and that's really cool. And there's Christmas parties, and there's songs on the radio that say it's the most wonderful time of the year, and the the kids are in wonder, right? And they don't know why the adults are all stressed out, right? They don't get it yet. They don't have jobs. They don't have bills and responsibilities. Like, why aren't you more fun, Dad and Mom? It's like, because life, you know? And and so you've got all these things and all this excitement, and there's these massive expectations for you and for me that this is going to be an amazing time of the year. And yet the problem is, is that we have all the same problems that we had back in November and October and July. That just because people are putting up Christmas trees, it doesn't mean that your life gets any easier. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Life is hard. <laughs> write that down. If you're, ta- if, you're, if you're my note, write that down. Maybe you never heard that. Life is hard, especially adulting, as they say. And so then what happens is there's like this, this tension between like how you're feeling today and Christmas. There, there's a tension between um, this is supposed to be an amazing season of fulfillment, and yet you're broken. And Christmas brings out some of the most painful things in our life to the surface. If, if you've lost a loved one, then Christmas is, is very difficult. If you're missing somebody, Christmas is extremely hard. If your marriage is struggling, then Christmas can be really awkward because you're supposed to be so happy and yet you're just not. Or maybe you feel distant from God and you feel like you haven't really felt God in your life very much recently. And so now all of a sudden you're supposed to be so close to him. And it can almost feel as if Christmas is just like fake. And yet I think the only reason that we think that at times is because we have a misunderstanding of what Christmas is really about, church. And I think if you know what God wants Christmas to be in your life, you'll find it very healing in your soul this December. Because Christmas, church, is not about fake happiness. And the trees are wonderful, and the snowflakes are cute, right? And, and all the parties are fun. But Christmas is not just about a bunch of fake hype. Christmas at its core is about the deep healing that God brings in the midst of our pain In our longing. Christmas is about deep hope in the midst of the trials that we face. If we truly knew what God wanted Christmas to be, it would truly be a time of abundant hope for you, no matter what you're going through. Because the whole story of Christmas is that, yeah, things aren't perfect quite yet. God is still doing a work in this world, but we can hope with joy even though we're not quite there yet you have your Bible, turn to Micah chapter 5 with me, Micah chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning, and please don't try to act like you know where Micah is in your Bible, don't act like you don't need to go to the table of contents, okay, we know you don't know where it's at, it's okay, I, I looked it up this week too. Micah, it's one of the, the later books in the Old Testament, kind of in the middle of your Bible. Micah chapter 5, it's also a small book, you know, and so it gets overlooked because, you know, the Psalms and Proverbs and Isaiah, and then you just blow through everything and you get to Matthew. That's how the, it works in the Bible world. But Micah chapter 5, and if, if you've never heard a sermon from the book of Micah, then um, this is going to be your first one, so you're welcome. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, a very Christmassy text um, in terms of the prophecy, um, but maybe one you've never heard before. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. This is um, God uh, speaking through a guy named Micah to to Israel, God's chosen people. Micah 5, 1 through 5 says this. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops, for siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, which would have been the, the province that Bethlehem was in, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Verse 5, and he shall be their peace. Now if you don't know much about this text or much about the book of of Micah, what, what you need to know and how it kind of relates to Christmas is that This is actually uh, spoken from God through Micah who was a prophet to God's people about 700 years before Jesus shows up and is born. And what God is essentially saying in this, though it might not sound super hopeful, what God is essentially telling Israel is that they're gonna go through some rough times but that ultimately God won't leave them hanging. And God wants them to know that in light of what they're going through. And this is important. Because in this moment, Israel is in seemingly a hopeless situation. And so a little bit of background on Israel. So in this moment, um, Micah is speaking to basically a divided Israel nation. And so Israel was supposed to be God's people, and yet they went through a bunch of hard times. It was a corrupt nation. A lot of things happened. And so they actually split into two different nations because they couldn't get along. And the southern tribe was called Judah, and Micah was speaking to the southern part of this broken nation. And in Micah's part of the nation especially, there was a lot of corrupt leaders. And so there was this problem because in Israel, if they appointed their own leaders, they would end up being corrupt. And there were no leaders. Everyone just did wrong and evil and what was right in their own eyes. And then also in light of that, there was an Assyrian empire that was literally coming down on them to crush them. And so they've got their own bad leaders, and so when they're in charge of themselves, the nation is corrupt, and yet the only other option would be that another nation would come and wipe them out and make them slaves, okay? And so I know they say that options are good, but that's not true, right? Because options are only good if at least one option is a good option, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, I need at least one good option, okay? I need at least one good option. And so Israel's in a really bad place, and it's in a seemingly hopeless situation, and let me tell you why it's also really bad. Because not only are they in a rough spot, but Israel fell short of their potential. Israel was supposed to be the chosen people of God. They were supposed to be the nation that was so godly and so honorable that everyone looked at them and said, man, that's how a good nation operates. That's how a truly a nation under the Lord operates. And God was supposed to to bless them for their righteousness and their obedience. They were supposed to be a light into the world. And so not only are they struggling, but they had all this potential, all this calling over them. And they had fallen short of it. And I say that because maybe that's you. And in fact, if we're honest, this is probably all of us, because maybe your life has fallen short of what you thought it might be. Maybe you thought your 20s would go differently than they did or your 30s, or your 50s, or your 70s. Maybe you thought you'd be farther along in your career. Maybe you thought your relationships would be more fulfilling. Maybe you thought God had some great plan and purpose over your life, and yet you just kind of can't seem to find what that is. I want you to feel that in your life today, because I want you to feel What Israel was going through in this moment, the the fall from grace, the lack of reaching their potential that God had for them. I want you to feel that deeply today because I want you to see really why the birth of Jesus is so fulfilling and so hopeful in our lives. And the Bible makes it clear that Israel's in this place because they had disobeyed. And so we have that as well. You know, we know we've made mistakes. We know we've fallen short. We know we've gone off different paths that God didn't want for us. And they've ended up in a bad place. And for many of us, that's our life as well. And I think the interesting thing that we need to realize in this, and one of the things I thought about a lot this week, is that we have to come to grips with the reality that God allows those things to happen. Have you ever thought about that? that God has allowed the bad things in your life to happen? Like when, when, I, when we're reading about Israel, like God has allowed this to happen. In the Old Testament, God allows Israel to get conquered. Okay, look at a, a Micah chapter 5, uh, verse 3. He says that he shall give them up until the virgin is given birth. And so God's even literally speaking through Micah to his people saying, literally, I, I'm going to allow some rough things to come your way. God is not the author of these bad things, but God will allow them to enter into our lives. And here's what I need you to get this morning, church. And this is what I want to speak into your pain because I don't want you to miss this as your pastor. The first thing is this, that God will allow you to go down a path of destruction but only for a season of instruction. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're tweeting it on your phone during my sermon, at least tweet that out for me, okay? I put that on Facebook. Hashtag overcoming the odds. I appreciate that, all right? Spread the word. God will allow you to go down a path of destruction and of pain and of struggle, but only for a season of instruction. Church, maybe you forgot this week, but the tough things that you deal with they are not eternal. They are temporal. Your problems will not last forever. The struggle with, with missing people that you love will not last forever for the Christian. The grind of life and work and aging bodies, it will not last forever, God's word tells us. It is only for a season That's what God tells his people. He says, I will give you up for a time, but one will come. A virgin will give birth and he will be your peace. Church, I I need you to get this this morning because I don't want you to miss the hope in your hurt. I don't want you to miss the hope in your hurt. You see, God does good things in our lives, God is a good leader in our lives, but the problem that we face is oftentimes we don't follow God in those ways. God leads us to good things. It says in Psalm 16 that God makes known to us the path of life, and that in his presence is the fullness of joy. And God leads us in those ways, but sometimes we don't follow him. You ever tried to follow God and you got lost? You know, you got in a detour, and you're like, man, how did I get here in my life You see, Israel is in that place, and they're sad, and they're in despair. And yet, church, what you need to know this morning is that if you are in a struggle, I promise you, with everything in me, that God is teaching you something in that. Don't miss your lesson. Don't don't miss what God is trying to speak to you. And I think the application for this in our lives, and I love how this rhymes, is find the instruction in your destruction find the instruction in your destruction i I almost view it as like the the pain that we go through the struggles we go through are almost like a projector which god is projecting something onto a wall that you would see something that our issues and our struggles are the moments when god says look there's still some things you need to work on in your life and i'm showing you exactly what those things are i'm making you stronger because you're going to need it in a future season I'm teaching you how to handle something now because you're going to need that in the future. I'm doing a work in your life. And yet, I think the problem is, is as we struggle and go through pain, oftentimes we feel as maybe God is punishing us. And what you need to know this morning as well also is that in Christ, your pain isn't punishment, but it's preparation. Write that down. In Christ, your pain isn't punishment, but preparation for your potential, my P game is strong today. Okay, in Christ, your pain isn't punishment, but it's preparation for your potential. And I was thinking about that this week, and it's really profound because in Romans eight one it says that for there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And so what that means is that if you're in Christ, God no longer punishes you. Like never. God may allow your sin to lead you into bad places. God may allow things to happen to you to teach you something, but God does not punish you. If you're a Christian and you think you're in a bad place because God is punishing you, I promise you it's literally a satanic thought in your mind. Because that is to question that the death of Christ was not sufficient enough for your sins to be paid for. That maybe Christ wasn't good enough that maybe he wasn't perfect enough to atone for your sin, and yet in Christ your pain is no longer punishment, but God is preparing you through the things that you're going through for all the things that he ultimately has for you. James 1, 2 through 4 speaks this over your life this morning. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because God because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's God's word for you. That whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever you're grinding through, that God is truly strengthening you with that. He's not punishing you. He's preparing you. And church, may we let that work take full effect in our lives. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is going to be our other text for this morning. And what I want to read you is the the fulfillment this morning that, that you need to know. So we've talked about the seasons of struggle that we go through, the rough things that we go through, and how God is teaching us through those things. But what I want you to know is that in those things you go through, as I said earlier, God will not leave you hanging. And before I read Matthew 1, 18 through 25, it's going to be up on the screen. I'm going to read you another prophecy from Isaiah seven fourteen, which actually Matthew 1 refers back to. And so in Isaiah seven fourteen it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then look at Matthew 1, 18 through 25. It'll be up on the screen behind me. This is now 700 years later after the book of Micah. This is the birth of Jesus. And so it says in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. So he's about to explain it. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, as he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. I know this is very simple, but I have to make this point this morning because I think maybe we get so accustomed to this to Christmas story that we miss this that, that this, that Jesus came in an unlikely way. Jesus came in an unlikely way. I know you and I are familiar with this story. I know we're familiar with the virgin birth. I know we're cool with it, right? I know that it was in Bethlehem, right? We know that everyone back then, that a lot of them missed it, right? But we think we're better. We would have have seen it if we had been there. We would not have seen it. We would have missed it too, right? that God was, was speaking this, that God was telling them, but nonetheless, when you think about what we would normally expect as humans for, like, the Son of God to show up in the world, that Jesus was born in a very unlikely way, okay? I've never heard somebody say, oh, God coming as a baby by way of a virgin birth in the city of Bethlehem. Yeah, that's what I would have done, right? That, that would have been how I would have entered God into the world, okay? baby. Virgin birth, you know, given the baby by the Holy Spirit in Bethlehem in a manger. We we can't even get a nice venue for Jesus to be born in, okay? Like can't even find a good place. There's no room for them. He doesn't even have cool parents. They're not hipsters, right? They're not well-known. They're not rich. They're not royalty. I mean, it's about as normal and basic as it can get, and we totally miss it. I mean, look look in verse 18. It says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Almost as if the author is saying, like, you got to hear this, okay? Like, he could have just said it, but he's like, it took place in this way, okay? Virgin birth, Bethlehem, a 14 or 15 year old teenage peasant girl named Mary. Okay? It took place in this way. And Joseph freaked out. We can kind of understand that a little bit more, right? He's like, you, you have a baby from the Holy Spirit? Is that, that what you're like? Mean, the Bible doesn't give detailed conversations, but you can imagine what that probably would have been like, right? And you can imagine what, what, what he's saying. It's like, not only is she pregnant, but she's crazy and she's pregnant, right? And so I've got, I've got some things I've got to figure out. He's thinking about his life and his future. And all the while, Mary's telling the truth, so she's freaking out. She's like, man, like, this is, like, God has done this to me. I didn't see this coming. This wasn't on my 20-year life plan, you know, to get pregnant with, with God's son, born of a virgin. That wasn't my idea. And now my, my betrothed fiance, like, he doesn't want to be with me anymore. This is a crazy situation. How could God work in this situation? I can imagine Mary thinking to herself, what? What? I mean, think about how God always works through the impossible. I mean, think about it. It took longer than anybody expected. I mean, this is 700 years after God was speaking through the prophet Micah. It came in an unlikely time. Maybe in your life, as you're waiting for God to come through, it, it just feels like it's never going to happen. Like I said, your life's one big DMV experience but it also came from an unlikely source. Mary was a very unlikely person in our minds to bear the Son of God. It came in an unlikely way, the virgin birth. Never been done before, never been done since. And it came in an unlikely place. That's what Micah said, Bethlehem. You're you're little, you're small, you're insignificant, but through you something great is going to happen. And the reality of the Christmas story, I think, that we see is that God came to the world as a man. And here's the thing we have to think about today, church. Many people missed it. That God was among them, and they had no idea. And even the religious leaders who had studied the text, and they would have had these texts that we've read this morning. They would have had Micah 5, 1 through 5. They would have had that text, and they had read it, but but nobody was expecting it. They were overlooking it. Because the problem with Israel is they just kind of thought that God was going to do what they thought he was going to do. And Israel wanted a warrior king. Israel wanted somebody with a, with a sword and with, a, with, with vengeance for the enemy to come in and just kill everybody, right? Like, like Israel wanted a king that would rule them, that would fight off the enemies. That's what Israel wanted. And yet the irony is, is Israel wanted that even though it didn't work all throughout the Old Testament. So so Israel was wanting something that had already failed a million times because God kept giving them kings, even though he didn't want to. He kept giving them kings, and the kings would start out well, and then they would become corrupt, and God would have to remove them. And that's us, isn't it? It didn't work the last few times, but maybe more money will fix my problems if I get some more money again. Right? You know, that last relationship didn't fulfill me, but, but maybe a new one will be better. Finding all of my life satisfaction and fulfillment in my job has never worked, but, but maybe this other job is just a lot better and different, and maybe those people are just less jerky, right? Maybe, maybe those are better co-workers. And I'm not saying that there's not better situations to put yourself in, but what I'm saying is, it's ironic because all the normal things in life by this point, you've tried. And then we do things like addictions. And the addiction is, has done nothing in your life but drag you down, and yet for some reason, you just keep doing it. We, we keep going back to familiar places that we were before, and somehow think that, that maybe that same thing again, because it's what we want, maybe that will help us. And at some point, church, we have to begin to open our eyes and our obstacles and our struggles, specifically this Christmas, to truly begin to consider the reality based upon the Christmas story that God will provide for you. He won't leave you hanging, but God's provision for you will most likely come in an unlikely way. I want you to write that down. I want you to remember that that God's provision for you will most likely come in an unlikely way. I was, uh, I was praying a couple weeks back, and I had one of these experiences that I don't normally have. Um, If I'm honest, most of the time when I pray, I, I feel like I'm really just talking to God, and I'm reading his word, but I don't feel it's like a super big conversation. I think for a lot of us, that's how prayer is a lot of times, but If you're committed to the discipline of prayer, you know that there's moments where where God speaks powerfully. And and it's it's a very interesting experience. And I had one a few weeks back where I was praying about something that I wanted God to do in my life. And I was praying, and it was like out of nowhere, because I wasn't expecting it, I almost felt like I entered into conversation mode, where I felt like God was like speaking back to me, right? Not like audibly, but like in my heart. And I was, I was basically praying about this certain thing that I was wanting God to do because, you know, we're always wanting God to do stuff in our lives. We're always needing him to come through for us. And I'm, I'm praying and I felt as if the Lord almost kind of spoke back to me and essentially said, what if I don't want to do it that way? And I was like, wait, you don't want to do it my way? <laughs> And it was interesting because in that moment, it, it, like, like the atmosphere, like in this, I was in this room by myself, a small little room, and the atmosphere just changed. And I was like, well, I mean, I, I don't know, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm open to what you want to do. And it was almost as if I felt like the Lord was not saying I'm not going to come through for you. He wasn't telling me that. He wasn't saying I'm not going to move in that situation. But what he was saying is I'm going to come through, but are you going to see it if I do it, if I don't do it the way that you're asking for me to do it? He's almost like saying, get ready because I'm going to do it, but I want you to know this up front because um, you're not going to see what I'm doing because I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do, but I'm still going to come through for you. And that was God with Israel. They wanted a warrior king, okay? He gave them a cute little baby boy, okay? And that's how God works in our life, church. Church that God will likely come through for you. His provision will come into your life, most likely, in an unlikely way. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't miss the miracle. Don't miss the miracle. Because you can miss the miracle. I'll give you an example. Like, think of like the New Testament. And, and this is so funny because I think we're the same way. Like, Jesus would do things like, you know, walk on water. The people would be like, ooh, that's cool, you know. They kind of get like, ooh, that's, that's, that's cool, you know. And Jesus would take um, food for 20 or 30 people, and he would multiply it to feed 5,000 people, which the 5,000 was actually more like 10,000 because back then they didn't count women and children. So he would take enough food for 30 people, multiply it for 10,000 people, and they'd be like, ooh, that's cool, you know. Like, they're kind of like, you know, kind of like, that's, that's fun, you know. And then he's at a wedding, and he turns water into wine. They're like, ooh, that's really cool, you know. Water into wine, wow, that, that's, you know, patting that, Jesus, that's really cool. And, and, and they keep seeing all these little, like, miracles in, like, space-time, like, going against the laws of science. And the whole time, they keep oohing and awing at all these things that Jesus is doing, all the fireworks. And the entire time, they're missing the biggest miracle of all. And it's that literally God is incarnate in a man before them. And they don't even notice that unless he's walking on water. And maybe that's you when you read the scriptures, is you go to all the miracles, like that. that, that, that's really interesting, right? And you don't even pay mind to the fact that you're reading the story of a man who was God who came to the world to save you and me. You see, I think so often we're, we're obsessed with certain kinds of miracles or certain kinds of provision in our lives, right? So let me give you another example. I think when we think of miracles in our day, we think of, like, God going against the laws of nature, right, that he created. And, and so that can be a miracle, but it's like, so it's like whenever God uh, walks on water, right, and defies gravity, that's a miracle, right? Because there's the laws of nature that says you don't do that, right, but then he just did it. Or if somebody flies, well, that's a miracle, okay, because someone can't fly because gravity doesn't like that either, right? And so it pulls you down. That's a miracle, right? If, if something appears out of nowhere, right, that's a miracle because it goes against the laws of nature. And we think that miracles are only whenever God goes against the laws of nature that he's set up. And yet, are you aware that miracles are not just when Jesus defies science? That, that God can do miracles circumstantially? And that would be just as much of a miracle? Like God changes a circumstance in your life? That, that maybe the fact that you met your spouse was a miracle from God? Maybe it doesn't feel like it sometimes, but um, but that God put that person in your life? That, that God can do miracles emotionally? But we're not often looking for that, right? That, that God can do miracles spiritually? That God can do miracles Um, mentally, in your mind, that God can change your atmosphere, that God can do something in your life and God could have provided something in your life and yet you wouldn't have seen it because you just keep asking for God not just to fix your problem, but to fix it this exact, certain, specific way. And God's like, I've already provided, but you don't see it because you keep thinking that you know what I should do, but I know so much more than you. You see, to adhere to the Christmas story and to say that, man, this is a great time of hope and God did a great work in the Christmas story is to say that God did something very wonderful in a way that nobody was anticipating and that everybody was missing. Church, don't get too comfortable with the Christmas story. The virgin birth should still blow your mind, it should still seem unlikely. And it should still remind you that God is likely to provide for you the things that you need in an unlikely way. You see, church, I think we need to often redefine what a miracle is and then re-examine our life to see if God is already coming through for us. And yet we've just been looking for something else. I think we need to stop treating God like Santa Claus, where we just kind of like tell him what we want, and if we're good enough... He gives us what we want and exactly what we want, right? Because if you ask for a PlayStation and Santa gives you, you know, a gift card to Hobby Lobby, that's not good, right? Because you didn't ask for a gift card to Hobby Lobby, right? And yet some like gift cards to Hobby Lobby, right? But I don't like gift cards to Hobby Lobby. But God's not like that. God's not Santa Claus. You see, God knows your problems better than you know your problems. God knows your longings better than you know your longings. God knew you before you knew you. When you were two and three and you have no conscious memories of those days, God knew you intimately then. And even as you age and maybe your mind becomes weaker in certain ways, God still knows you perfectly. And so as we draw to a close, I want to leave you with one more phrase and it's that God always comes through and that he also knows what to do. Church, I'm not saying that it's, it's wrong to pray that God comes through for you in a certain way. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that I, I want you to be open that he might do it differently. That his provision might come in an unlikely way. In fact, I would even argue, looking at the biblical narrative, that it's likely to happen that way. Going back to that moment of prayer I told you about earlier, I left that moment of prayer so encouraged because I felt like all of a sudden, like I felt like only God would fix my problem if this one thing happened. And yet when he spoke to me that, you know, hey, I might do it in a different way, all of a sudden my mind was opened up to like, man, God could fix this problem in a million different ways. And I was so much more encouraged by the reality that God could do this in a million different ways. And I just need him to come through in one way. And so as we draw to a close, I want to remind you that God comes through, we see in the Christmas story. But also he knows how to do it. You see, no one thought Jesus would come as a baby. Nobody thought that once Jesus came as a baby and they grew up into a man who was God, that he would die. And then people didn't think that he would rise. And people didn't think that he would ascend. And they didn't think the church would amount to anything. But God won't leave you hanging. Because he always comes through. See, faith isn't weakness. Faith is simply awareness that God knows more than you. And so when we trust the Lord, we don't trust him because we don't know anything. We trust him because we know that he knows everything. And I believe the way that we are to approach the Lord is the way that a child approaches their father. Remember when you were when you were younger and you had a problem in your life, uh, whenever something would happen, maybe you're three or four or five years old um, and something scary happened to you. So we were at a, a, a feed store getting some plants with Halsey and there was this parrot and it like made this loud noise and like freaked out Molly this past week, right? And it was so cool because uh, when it freaked out Molly and she was scared of this, like, parrot thing, she didn't in that moment devise a plan to save herself from the the parrot and and figure out how she was going to destroy this animal, right? All she did was run to her mom. Because what a child does is a child doesn't figure out the plan. A child just knows if I can get into the father's arms, then I'll be safe. And that's what faith is like. You can have a plan, that's fine, but, but just make sure that you get into the Father's arms regardless of what you're going through. And God won't leave you hanging. Church, I want you to believe that this Christmas. I don't want obstacles to get in the way of you experiencing all the fullness that God has for you. Don't let the brokenness ruin your Christmas. Just give it to the Lord and trust that he's going to come through for you and that you're probably not going to see it until he does it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're so faithful. And God, it's amazing that you care about us and that you come through for us. God, I pray that you'd speak to the hearts of the people here this morning and remind them, God, that you're with them that God, that you were already working on their behalf, that their problems and their issues did not catch you off guard this Christmas, that you knew about it and that you've got a plan. But Lord, give us eyes to see that plan. Give us eyes to that, that trust you and they are looking for you and aren't just confined to the way that we would maybe do it if we were in charge. Lord, we love you. We trust you and we confess that during this time. Lord, I love you and I pray that you be with us in this Christmas season. And I pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.